Welcome to a new episode of Waste Not and Feed the Need, the podcast for Los Fish's family kitchen. Today we have the pleasure to speak to Emily Coven, founder and CEO of Recyclers. Enjoy. Good morning. Welcome to Waste Not and Feed the Need, the podcast for Los Fish's family kitchen. This morning we had the pleasure to have Emily Emily Coven, excuse me, founder and CEO of Recyclers. Uh, with me, I have our co-host, David Ott. How are you, David? Good morning. Good morning. Saying hello from sunny California. Yes, I said sunny. <laughs> Good morning, Emily. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Emily. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you. And I'm uh, saying good morning from rainy California. So <laughs> right on. Yeah. Well, you know, at the beauty of California, we have all kinds of great weather, right? It could be hot, it could be yeah. cold, uh, but we love it. You know, we're going to take advantage of Emily's uh, experience and, and knowledge today to talk about a lot of different things. But first, you know, Emily, tell us a little bit about, about your background and why did you start a recyclist, which is something that is doing a great work with, uh, with counties and cities and everything for ASB 1383. So welcome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so my background was in the tech industry, not the waste industry. I'm a relative newcomer compared to probably a lot of the people, you know, in this industry. Um, and I really got started in the dot-com boom. You all will remember that. Many of the people I work with were not alive or, you know, in diapers. But um, so I was in San Francisco in the late 90s and early 2000s um, and kind of cut my teeth there, got into web design, web development, that kind of thing. Um, and really kind of stuck with that for about 15 years. I worked for some um, a lot of sort of media organizations. I'm sure you've heard of some of them like MTV or I actually worked for KQED for a long time, did a lot with public media, um, public radio, public television. Um, and then I kind of worked on my own for about 10 years, just working for various clients like documentary filmmakers and educational institutions and stuff like that. Um, and it was great and I loved the work, um, but it was kind of always bouncing from one thing to the next. Um, and there's not a lot of continuity in doing that kind of consulting work. And you're not really you're, you're building a body of work, but you're not necessarily, um, you know, becoming like an expert at something. And the stuff that you do one year isn't necessarily leading to something the next year. Um, and that's what I really wanted. In it, I wanted to have more of an impact in that way. So around the same time, I was traveling a lot. Um, and everywhere we went, we would try to recycle and we would be like, well, we don't know what we can recycle here. This is frustrating. <laughs> and I was like, I make websites for a living. I know it's not that hard to put information out there. It shouldn't be in the yellow pages or it shouldn't be like in a PDF buried in a website or whatever. So that kind of, I remember having this conversation with my husband and I was like, why doesn't, why isn't this just, why doesn't somebody make this e information easy to find? And he was like, well, could you do it? <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, maybe I could, right? So that was the kind of, that was the beginning of it for me. Um, so we actually started out more doing websites, recycling guides, public education, um, mm -hmm. started the company, built a platform for that, got some um, kind of, you know, got some traction with that. And then along came, as you all here, I'm familiar 
here in California would be familiar with um, AB 1826, um, which is the state's first organics recycling law or first that I'm aware of. And all of a sudden, everybody's attention in the state kind of shifted to um, tracking information and tracking data and trying to figure out what was going on with organics. Um, and so I was sort of right time, right place. Like I was there, I had these skills, there's this need, and we kind of just put it all together and kind of went in that direction as well into data management. So, What do you find to be the most exciting and um, impactful part of that, that wonderful journey you just described? I think the most exciting part is not so much the work that we do. I mean, the work that we do is really cool and I really like it. What I find the most exciting is really the work that's being the real work that's being done out there and that how we're able to facilitate that. Right. So it's very like our week, you know, we've actually talked about this a lot. We're trying to apply to become a B Corp. We've got some points, but not all the points we need to be in the court. <laughs> it's, it's a mm -hmm. lot of work. Um, oh, yeah. But one of the yeah. things we're trying to do is measure our impact. And our impact is really, it's secondhand. You know, we're, we're behind the curtain. But what's really exciting to me is when we hear from our customers, your tool is making my life so much easier. Instead of sitting at my desk and pulling my hair out with spreadsheets, I'm out in the field talking <laughs> to generators and helping them figure out how to divert their organics, how to recover their food. And that's actually how I want to be spending my time. So like, that's the most gratifying to me is knowing that our work, even though we're behind the curtain is actually making a real impact out there. That is so cool. And it's so true because there's this, this, this need to not only collect the data, but be able to report the data. Right. And and the effort doesn't necessarily always get measured by a happy-go-lucky individual saying we're doing great things, right? Yeah. And so, so I think I think it, that's a wonderful celebration of your effort, and and it's cool the evolution of of it, it's funny how tipping points can occur by some someone just asking us a question and then, and then us going, oh yeah, okay yeah, let's try this. That's yeah. how I got into this field. It's uh, through the through the a la carte program that's now part of loaves and fishes. So thank you so much. And and I, I appreciate that history. Mauricio? Yeah. yeah, you know, we're talking about technology, and that's something that uh, is I don't say new, but it's been evolving on the world of agriculture and food and everything else, right? There's uh, startups now in Silicon Valley working on, on robots that will be able to to harvest more efficiently and, and plant the uh, seeds and all this stuff, right? So again, I mean, you know, AI uh, is doing its work everywhere. Could be good, could be bad, because sometimes you lose jobs, sometimes you make more, right? So efficiency is not always are great for for people with job with those jobs that they're in that place. But what are your thoughts about how technology can? I mean, your software does a lot of great uh, data collection and everything else, but how else? Do you see uh, technology helping improve uh, particular food recovery? Uh, food waste, we know 40% of all food gets wasted, and we're working on that part. But the food recovery aspect of uh, SB 1383 and this part of the industry, which is important because that's the food that we're going to try to bring into people's homes and you know to, to help folks that need uh, support on that end. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on that part of it, just the, the food recovery uh, element? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think that there's, when I think about how technology helps, I think of it really in two different ways. One is what we do, which is more, we don't, I mean, we build technology, but we really leverage existing technology. Like we sort of mm. almost see ourselves as the connectors of all these people out there who are like, I know that technology could help me, but I don't really know like how to do that. And we kind of, we see ourselves as like making it dead simple. Like we will put it right in front of you. We will hold your hand. We will like walk you through how to use technology and make it easy for you. I don't really think of us necessarily as a, I mean, we are a technology company, but we're not developing new, exciting technologies. You know, that's not what we do. We're more leveraging technology. But the other part of the, the way that I see technology is people who really are like doing, building new, you know, pieces of software that are do wildly different things than anybody's ever done before. And that's where I think food recovery actually has a lot going on. And I think a lot of it you see in these mobile apps, right? So the whole logistical problem of getting the recoverable food to the human beings, um, you know, it's such a quickly growing space with so many options out there. And I think it's almost oversaturated right now. (laughs) You know, because if everybody's using something different, it doesn't all piece together. But, you know, there's on the on the producer side, right, there's so many options for a farm or a restaurant or a grocery store, or even like your home, if you've got a, you know, tree that needs to be gleaned or something like that. And then on the other end, you know, whether you're a food recovery organization, or some a member of the public or running a senior center or whatever it is, like, I think that connectivity, um, the, the mobile apps, I think they're, they're primarily mobile apps. They just, they have web interfaces as well to do that. And, you know, whether it's free or whether you're getting a discount or whether there's a tax credit. Um, I, I think it's, like I said, I think it's all still swirling around with a lot of players. <laughs> and so we, a lot of people don't quite know where to turn because there's too many choices, but I, I think it has huge potential, you know, because if you imagine a world without, a cell phone and without a mobile app and you were a rest, you know, a restaurant and there had been a law passed that said, you have to get this to hungry people. Like, what would you do? (laughs) Right. Like how would you know you would be so reliant on just a, a, you know, this person comes once a week and they get what they get and nobody knows what's coming and they don't know if they have room for it. And so much more would be wasted. So I think that that's like just, once it's all figured out, once the dust settles and everybody's figured out, okay, this is the right app for me. And this is who I try to get it to. And this is when I post it. And this is how I grab it. And, you know, the transportation piece of it is, is figured out probably with technology as well. I, I see that as huge potential. Um, yeah, sure I totally, but. totally agree with you. And, and there, to your point, it's saturated at this point. And someone who's a user, if they're a producer, trying to find a food recovery organization, there's there, there's a there's a delta, right? How do we connect the two, right? And how do we do it in a in a in a in a way that's equitable, right? So and then there's also a, a huge energy in the development of of what's the appropriate way to help to educate those individuals that may be involved, right? So mm-hmm. I find that that when talking to a food generator, there may be some trepidation because they're not fully aware of all the elements of their responsibility. And it's so important that we educate them to take away some of that fear, right? To help mm-hmm. them to understand, hey, this can be this can be a simple, a simple process if 
give me a few minutes and let me explain to you what we can do, right? And then and yeah. then take it from there. So I, I I really agree with that. What what do you find to be, you know, a, a, an obstacle that gets in the way? I mean, there the SB thirteen eighty three is rolled out in two tiers: tier one being larger generators, and then tier two being uh, where I think uh, many of those. Uh, solutions need to be refined, right? That's the space that I think that will be even more exciting and more honestly challenging because it, yeah. it does, it does take that logistics, that logistics and that connection between producer and food recovery org. How do you, how do you uh, sense that uh, the solution in that respect, you know, how do you, how do you think about that, that energy and, and, and what does that bring up for you to discuss? Well, this might be not exactly answering your question, but I do think one of the challenges in terms of sort of figuring out like with SB 1383, tier one, tier two, but a lot of cities, right, aren't just stopping at tier two. They're not like, oh, you you don't have 250 seats. <laughs> so like, we don't care about your food. Like you're a restaurant with 100 yeah. seats. Probably you have a lot to donate to. Right? So we are working with a lot of cities who are like, yeah, well, we want to look at everybody. Um, I, I think that from a sort of city level, of trying to manage it. Um, one of the big challenges is identifying those generators and knowing yeah. not only who they are, but who is the right person to contact there. And that's a human problem, mm. but it's also a technology problem. Um, so as an example, a lot of our customers are going to their departments of environmental health, especially if we're working with a county because the county tends to have right all the who's licensed for you know, food handling, that kind of thing. Um, but the Department of Environmental Health keeps records in one way and they categorize everybody by what they call program element. And then the law 1383 categorizes food generators a different way. And so they don't hmm. like we did this exercise of trying to map like a Department of Environmental Health program element to a you know, commercial edible food generator category in 1383. And we thought, well, you know, at least some of them will map over like zero of them mapped over, you know, it was just, mm. it was a whole new, like starting over again. So, you know, we have ways we've been doing that with our customers, our customers are like, you know, do, going out in the field, like trying to kind of pull together this initial list through different ways. But even when they do that, right, like, if they're pulling from, you know, one of the things that's useful is to be like, well, who's generating waste? Because if they're generating waste, they may have food, mm -hmm. but then their contact is like their billing contact for who pays the garbage bill, which is not the same <laughs> person facilitating food recovery. So it's a, I guess it's not a, a, a tech, not, it's more of a data challenge than it is a technology challenge, but like just get building that. And if you think about, you know, whatever, 600 jurisdictions across the state of California, that's a lot, a lot, a lot of information for individuals to sift yep. through and just get that to get to the starting point, right? I think once you're at the starting point, you're like, I know who's generating my food and I know who to contact about it. Then you're, then you're a lot more empowered to start saying to them, Hey, I'm going to educate you about this to your point, David, or, Hey, here's a list of apps that you might want to use to make your life easier or Hey, you know, here's the, some tax incentives that in addition to the fact that you have to do this by law, you might want to consider, or if you're not covered by the law, you might want to consider. But I think that one of our challenges right now is that data piece is getting that fundamental, everybody just knowing who's out there. That's yeah. food in the first yeah. place. And, and there being a consistent approach to how you uh, 
uh, uh, tackle that that challenge, right? And and yeah. and a consistent idea of how that the approach will positively impact the the effort, right? And so yeah. I think that's a wonderful point. I think that you know in 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 discussions with local jurisdictions who are trying to uh, create systems to uh, be be prepared for the activity that's coming there has been some bumpiness there too for sure um, oh, yeah. so i think i think i think it goes back to relationships right it goes back yeah. to those willing to want to you know do the the put the effort in in order to uh, figure out how we remove those obstacles right it sounds like you've got some wonderful things happening at recyclist so again thank you thank you for yeah. your i have long-winded questions and i tend to go off on like i'm a i'm a deep thinker no and i and i think it, i've been accused of overthinking things right and yeah. and and i know that our listeners can't see this but i actually use gestures in zoom because I've been affected by pandemic world. So yeah. I want to know that you know that I know that we're talking. Um, however, again, tangent and passion and excitement. And so I think that if we all have this this passion, I, I, I would be willing to bet that we can all get to that said solution. And it's, yeah. it's wonderful to hear the dynamics that you have going on within, within your organization. Emily, a question. You talked a little bit about uh, reaching out to food generators and so forth. And uh, one of the things that uh, everybody complained about, one of the complaints, but yeah, there was some feedback. It was the, the initial list was too broad, right? They put every single restaurant and this and that together. Let's yeah. talk about restaurants for a second uh, because there was a lot of, uh, there will be a lot of restaurants that are small enough that will get a waiver. They won't qualify for having to do, uh, they can do it on their own because it's the right thing to do, but they won't, they will not qualify or be, yeah, they will get a waiver not to have to follow the law on the SB 1383 mandates of uh, food recovery and uh, on all those things. How many food producers that were in your initial list have you found uh, that will probably get a waiver? Because I keep thinking that the, and I know everybody's going to kill me if I'm right, uh, they're going to say you were right or they're going to say you were wrong. I don't think there's a tidal wave of, of prepared food coming. There is a wave. There's going to be more food than we have. But I think a lot of food producers that were counted on that original list are not going to qualify. They're going to be taken out uh, for by uh, with waivers or food efficiencies or whatever. What is what percentage or what? How many? Is it something that you saw that you guys heard a lot often? No, I'm not going to qualify because of this, or I don't have to worry about it because of that. Uh, you know, uh, my, there's a question in there somewhere, but uh, yeah. so anyhow. <laughs> So just to clarify, I spend, I've been spent the last few weeks steeped in SB 1383 waivers, but you, the waivers are just for the, um, organics collection. You're not talking about those waivers. You're talking about who's not tier one or tier two. Is that right? Correct. Yes, correct. Okay. Yes. So they don't need a waiver just so we're all clear because there's very clear who needs a waiver, but they're, but they're not covered, right? They don't have to, they're not, you know, they don't have to recover their edible food so you know we've done yeah definitely some looking at lists of like okay here's everybody from the department of environmental health that has some any kind of food handling permit and how many of them are tier one or tier two generators um i would say very few the, the it is it is a small percentage for sure um it, it's not a lot and that's why i think that a lot of cities are not necessarily going to limit themselves to just those tier one and tier two because it's it, it, there is so much food out there that's not those. Um, for instance, I know that um, very early on, well, even before 1383 came into effect, 
um, the city of Culver City, who's one of our customers, uh, was kind of doing a pilot and they got a truck with a grant and all that. And they were specifically targeting um, prepared food at, at places, I believe at places like Starbucks and, you know, mm -hmm. convenience stores and stuff like that. They're, they're not tier two or tier one generators, but they have that readily available Mm -hmm. you know, food that's packaged and ready to be eaten at this moment in time more yeah. so than like, you know, necessarily a cheesecake factory or something. So they were identifying, well, what's actually practical here. Um, so I think that that's what we'll see after people, you know, especially if you're a smaller city, you know, and all you have to do for 2022 and 2023 is make sure your tier one generators are donating, you know, that could be three generators you know right. it could be 10 it's not going to be hundreds Got so it. that's like almost a pretty easy like check the box and move on <laughs> um but yeah i think that once the you know but it's good you know it's good we start small and we build but yeah. i think that once we kind of get the ball rolling on this um i don't see people wanting to stop at tier two because i think it's going to be too small of a piece of the puzzle, unless you're in a really big metropolitan area or something like that. Sure. Um, I think, I think it's, it's not going to be enough. Yeah. That's something we talked about uh, at the uh, edible food recovery count uh, technical council at uh, CCRA mm -hmm. about the organic approach, uh, the, our food recovery thoughts or initiatives or whatever you want to call it was not about it. It's 1383 it was organic. It was about trying to collect all the available prepare food and, and food that could be recovered out there, uh, regardless of the mandate of the, of the law or not. And that's how we have kind of guided everything we've done. Yes, the law is important, and that was going to create a lot of pressure on folks that were not participating. But the I think the organic approach is, is uh, uh, more beneficial because also will allow us to do uh, awareness campaigns and education and everything else about why you should uh, participate and tax incentives. There's no fee mandate on the law so it'd be volunteer basis so it's easier to kind of win people's hearts by telling them you know why they should help with you with some money and and food yeah. than telling them right you tell somebody something you're like nah don't tell me what to do uh so that's one of those things to where i think uh uh, uh you were mentioned earlier you got to go beyond that law you got to get you know that it's just, okay this is the right thing to do because it's going to help a lot of folks right not only in our environment yes. but it's also going to help a lot of folks and it's uh david what you got? I know you're you're in deep thought. So uh, yeah, what do you, got coming? I, I, <laughs> you know you you've you've um, talked about some really cool things as far as solutions go, and and you've also talked about some of the bumpy. Where do you find? And when I mean bumpy, sorry everybody, bumpy to me is like not an obstacle. It's not impossible. It's just a bumpy way through a solution, right? And that's what I mean by bumpy. Um, what do you find to be next steps? with where you're going and where you're guiding your organization based on a lot of the information that we just discussed, like what's the, what's in the, the purview? What do you see in your, your vision as you move forward? Well, I mean, I think that one thing is kind of follows up on what Mauricio was saying just there about like focusing on the organics. I think that, you know, everybody's just kind of the dust is settling and everybody's just kind of, <laughs> like, okay, this is it, you know, we're in it. It's 2022. We're here. It's California. We have to be doing this. And there's, you know, they have, I think everybody has one more big bump, which is they've got to do their route reviews. And yeah. you know, that's, that's a big thing that has to happen. And that's going to be a distraction in a way from the edible food 
recovery component of this, just because that's like another, you know, you have to, you have to do it and it has to be done this year. And there's only three months left in this year. So well, by the time <laughs> there's only gonna be two months left in this year, right? Like that's a big, I think it's, it's important, but it's more on the organics collection front. So I think there's going to be a lot of focus on that. And of course, still just dropping organic spins is going to be a really big focus. So I, my expectation is that's kind of what the immediate future holds. But I think beyond that, what's going to be really cool is when organic service has been dropped and organics collection is happening and route reviews are happening. That's all become normal. This field work that can start to happen, that's going to pair together organic waste disposal with food recovery. Cause I think, you know, a lot of people, I know the initial reaction of a lot of people was like, we're solid waste. Why have you given us food recovery? Like what, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just someone else, like shouldn't like, I don't know, some health services, somebody else do this, right? Like, why is this, falling on in the laps of solid waste, but they're very connected. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, I think that, you know, to the extent that people are going to start to have the bandwidth to go out and do those site visits, it makes an awful lot of sense for me, for the same person who's trying to right size your bin to be looking in that bin and saying, wow, there's a lot of edible food in here, especially for your non tier one and tier twos and saying, Hey, do you want to save money on your food? your food scraps bin or your food scraps cart, because you could A, get a tax incentive and B, help the world and C, feed people, you know, all this stuff. And I think yeah. those conversations and, and they even dovetail with, for instance, we work with San Mateo County and they've got a disposable, a disposable foodware ordinance. So like when they're going out, they're looking at like, are you using disposable foodware? What are you doing with your organics? What are you doing with your edible food? Like, I think the whole it's going to stop being so piecemeal. And I think it's going to start coming together of like a holistic view of what's coming into your building and what's going out of your building. And like, let's talk about it all at the same time. And that's where I think there's going to be a lot of traction. We're going to start to get a lot of traction because it's that sort of two birds with one stone, three birds with one stone kind of thing. Yeah, so, no doubt. And and it's the dialogue and the discussion. Again, it goes back to relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Relationship. You know, when the hauler is out at the location, you know, and and this is something that is an opinion, right? <laughs> when the hauler is out at the location, why not have a system in place? And I realize that that would be controversial. Me saying that, however, that's just the reality. They're there. Look at the carbon footprint. You know, you've got a vehicle on site. Why not mm -hmm. do both, right? And then yeah. another thing that you mentioned that was mentioned at CRRA's, the conference that we just attended, is that Cal Recycle is willing to work with individuals that may need an extension on those timelines. Yeah. They just have to communicate that that's the case, right? So that yeah. was a cool thing to hear, right? So I think that's wonderful that we're thinking about that and the dynamics are happening and that we're all in the process of trying to figure it out. It was almost for a point at a point like the cart before the horse, right? It was, mm -hmm. we have this wonderful approach to how we want to solve this problem with organics. And now the timelines are ticking away and now, oh no, we need to create a program, right? Yeah. And everybody seems, not everyone, many people seem to be scurrying to try to get things resolved yes. so that they're not, they're not negatively impacted, um, right? So, yeah, so I think that that's wonderful, and and thank you. I, I know again I'm long winded, but you know we, you know I'm also very passionate about trying to keep, and I, and I'm I'm biased, right? Edible food recovery is what we do, and that's where I started out in this space. 
and I want to keep it out of the ground and feed it to the people. Right. And, yeah. and Mother Earth is going to, to get benefit. And it goes also back to stories. If we tell stories, the, the audience, you have to curtail the, the message based on the audience you're speaking to. Some want to talk about tax incentive. Some want to talk like me. I'm a hippie with short hair. Like, let's like go. keep it out of it the ground. Coming. We were waiting for yeah, that. I had to. I yeah. said every episode because I am like, <laughs> let's like keep it out of the ground. It's going to turn to methane. It's going to hurt the ozone, like the worst yeah. contributor to to impacting our planet. So, well, one of them. Um, all that said, long winded again. What does that come up? What comes up for you related to my long-winded dissertation? How, how do you feel about the effort that you're doing now and the effort that we at all are doing to attack and, and tackle this 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 this, ch this challenge we face? Emily, before you answer, to yeah. add into that question is, is a lot of the waste is residential, not commercial. Is your uh, information that you're the data that you're gathering be able to provide cities with uh, data on how to help educate the public, the residential uh, uh, folks, to reduce their uh, carbon footprint through food waste. So you gotta have a couple things there. Yeah. Um, so a, a little bit. So we we have a little bit in in two different platforms. So we have our, our program tracker is the platform where where all this data is being centralized, um, and we don't have a lot of a ton of residential data in there because it tends to be, you know, commercial is very interesting, right? Like you go one to, you go to each and every commercial generator potentially and talk to them. You do not go door to door typically and talk to each and every household. If you did, great. We, we put you in there. <laughs> You're just going to like <laughs> do the same thing for 50,000 households. That's not, you don't need a list of those 50,000. Um, but um, on the data side there, one thing we're really, we are facilitating is, um, is uh, the route reviews, which, you know, for obviously 1383 is, is flipping those lids and looking at for contamination, looking for as much, we're finding early data is looking as much for organics in the garbage as garbage in the organics, right? Like looking to see, hey, are you actually still throwing your food in your garbage? So um, one thing that we're really keen on is not just going through, I mean, you do have to do some sort of education, um, mm -hmm. but is not just sort of sticking on a tag and moving on, but using either like a web address or a QR code or something like that to actually do further education. So if you mm. have like put together a video about, you know, it's got to be short, right? No, it's an attention span, but maybe it's yeah. like a two minute video on how to properly separate your food waste or how to reduce your food waste or that kind of thing. Or, you know, because we also do recycling guides, we're always going to like wave that flag and be like, hey, you should have a recycling guide like we offer and put your QR code to that, or maybe put the QR code to the specific page mm -hmm. on that recycling guide about food scraps management, that kind of thing. So I do think that there's like little opportunities and that we don't want to miss, you know, it kind of breaks my heart when I think of not breaks my heart. That's maybe a little bit extreme, but I do see it as a missed <laughs> opportunity for somebody to, to pay someone and put in the carbon footprint of having someone drive around a city or even just walk around and flip all these lids and then just 
say, yeah. hey, you're not supposed to put plastic bags in here. But, you know, like there's, you know, any time that you're touching a generator, whether it's commercial or in this case, residential, because that's that's our that's our direct touch point is these route reviews. You know, you can do media, yeah. you can do digital community, you, know, you can do billing inserts, you can do social media. But there's that direct one to one of, hey. I see that you have food scraps in your garbage. <laughs> Let me tell you more about this very specific issue. I love it. it is a I lot love more it. impactful. So, yeah, I think yeah. that uh, that is so. It's all, I, I you know I think about it. It's all about the uh, managing the message, and I don't think we've done mm -hmm. enough of that. A lot of like I said, education, yeah. education, education. Going back to thinking about you know uh, big education campaigns throughout the United States about smoking, for example, we got to do another one about e-cigarettes and vaping, uh, which I yeah, I understand is horrible. And just talking to my cousin the other day, she's a teacher and she's like, oh my god, it's a horrible problem in the high school. So anyhow, we won't go into that one, but I'm like, I didn't realize <laughs> that. My, yeah, my kids are older. Well, you know, I got 21 and 24 year olds, and and they're very responsible. They don't you know uh, on that sense, but I wasn't really aware of how bad it was in the high school. So I thought about it. Anyhow, with that, it, we, it's, it's about the awareness campaign, and I think it needs to be approached differently uh, than we currently are doing. Um, David uh, or Emily, I'll just any, say quickly, no, please, please. I'll just say quickly on that. I think what it needs to be more specific, mm -hmm. and that's yeah. like why I'm really keen on like specific messaging with a QR code or a website because it does actually drive me a little bananas when I see whether it's online or in a billboard something that says "recycle right" or like. <laughs> You know, even like, I mean, I like the food too good to waste, but like if it literally all it says is food too good and there's no like call to action, Correct. I, you know, if I see a billboard that says recycle, right? Like, okay, how? What does that mean? Like, <laughs> Which bin do I put it in? You know? How many bins so, do I choose from? <laughs> yeah. Like if, yeah. If I was in charge of changing all of the messaging out there, I would like laser focus it on like pick it, you know, try to make it, I want to get the right message to the right person and give them the tools that they need right. to change their behavior versus, you know, smoking is one thing, like we all know smoking is bad for us. And it's like, you know, you can do the, like, don't do this. It's bad for you. End of story. But we all know that, you know, food, food waste, food recovery, recyclables, like landfill, it is so complicated. Right. We, yeah. our company, we mostly hire people from outside the industry and bring them in and, you know, we have them take courses mm -hmm. and all that, but people could be there for like two years. I'm, I've only been in the industry for seven years and I'm still flabbergasted by things I'm learning about how it works. Like we're asking the public to participate in a hugely complicated system. Correct. And I think we have a responsibility to you know, dumb it down or like just, you know, or, or get, make the information incredibly clear, incredibly accessible. Like that's what we do in our recycling guides. We're like, have a policy, like nothing longer than 50 words. Like everything has to have a subhead and a picture that you can scan. Like everything has to be super easy to find, super digestible because that's how mm -hmm. people consume information. Mm -hmm. And I think that we need to think more about what do they actually need to know and how can we how can we get that message can we tell stories can we do videos like what can we do to make a difference i love it yeah, i love simple. it and, and i love how i yeah. love how you you married the tipping or you know the, we're we're making the effort of checking out how people are doing we're tying that with hey just a a reminder here's a subtle reminder and 
here's a way that you can improve upon your practice, right? I think yeah. that's so important because if we go straight to here are the consequences and here's your fine, I, I don't think we're going to change things, right? Um, yeah. So I think I think the story is important, and I think the way that we frame the story is important. And it sounds like you've got a wonderful frame and a wonderful story, and I appreciate that and totally appreciate um, the fact that it is. It has to be in snippets, doesn't it, right? Mm-hmm. We, 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 you know, especially today, you know, we're on our phones so often, right? And yeah. we scroll through so much oh, information. Yeah. yeah, you just scroll through. Make it fun. Make it exciting. Make it something that people can uh, can do something through action and and really want to be part of the solution. So right. that's what came up for me. It was more of an observation. You know, I really appreciate <laughs> I appreciate talking to individuals that are involved in the effort that we are. Um, and I'm and I'm really thankful to you for taking the time, setting setting aside the time uh, to talk to us about what we're we're all in the process of learning about and that's yeah. solutions right and yeah how do we do it together how do we collaborate right yeah. so thank yeah. you so much Emily. yeah oh that's no, my pleasure <laughs> any uh last uh thoughts uh emily or david before we wrap up the uh uh the show and then yes we will have uh links to uh recyclers website and uh and uh, information on Emily, a, a little bio, so you, all our listeners will be able to see that on the description. So uh, we'll have all that available first. Uh, any other questions or, or comments uh, that well, I can- Well, just, Emily, can, uh, what, what would you like to leave the listening audience with? Like, what is it that you'd love us to walk away from from this discussion? Um, I think that for me, kind of, my thoughts on all of this is that it's it's really interesting being in it's a really interesting time to be in California. It's a really exciting mm-hmm. time to be in California, but it's also a really exciting time to be outside of California, watching California, seeing <laughs> what's happening in this crazy place, right? Because we talk to people outside the state and inside the state. And and I and I know that inside the state, especially if you're one of the people who's under the gun with regulation it's a very stressful time and there's a lot of anxiety and there's a lot of unhappiness. Um, and, and I, and I see that and I appreciate it and I sympathize with it. And I, I think that if, you know, it's really helpful if we can all take a step back and think, wow, we're doing a lot. Like we are not doing perfectly. Not everybody's fully compliant. Not every tier one and tier two generator is recovering their food. Not everybody is diverting their organic waste. But when you look at the progress we've made, like in the last Mm -hmm. 12 months in this state, (laughs) it is just (laughs) enormous, right? Like people are making huge progress. And I think that we, we can look at, it's like a glass, you know, maybe we're halfway there and are we glass half empty or glass half full? Like I think we're glass half full because the glass is still filling up, you know, we're moving in the right direction. And, and I've gone, um, been talking to a lot of people in Washington. I don't know if you've stayed of Washington just passed a, a very similar law to SB 1383 in California called HB 1799. And, you know, when I met people, they're super interested in how it's all playing out in California. You know, I've, I've, I sometimes live down in New Zealand and I have a friend down there who runs a municipal waste program and they're, they're looking at what's happening in California. Like, like the eyes of, you know, the nation and potentially the world are on us. And I know it's not easy, but what we're doing is super important. 
And it's always hard to go first. <laughs> like nobody wants to be. <laughs> um, and they always, but, and it seems that we're the, we're the, the think tank in some respects. And yes, yeah. I'm a Californian. I was yeah. born and raised in California. This yeah. is my home. Right. And yeah, it's like, we've got to work out the kinks. And yeah. I love the idea that we are being watched and yeah. it's important that we continue along the path that we're going. Right. Yeah. Because yes, the, the cup is half full, even when the cup is changed in size, it's still yeah. half full, right? Yeah, and exactly. I love that. I love it. Yeah. So we... thank you. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for, for your time again. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, really, we appreciate it. We, we, just getting your perspective and, and everything in, uh, else is what's going on. It's, it's important. We value our, our partners and our friends are uh, have jumping and coming through this space with us. Which uh, you know is brand it's fairly new. Where uh, episode eight will air uh, the middle of this uh, of this month, so in about a week or so. Uh, this episode with Emily, you'll be listening to it uh, in uh, sometime in December, and, and you know by the time you listen to this, will be a couple months from now. But we're very thankful for everybody that is uh, coming participating. Emily, thank you so much for taking the time and 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 educating us on a lot of things that I, I learned a bunch of stuff today that I didn't know. So I, I got all kinds of fun notes. Uh, and thank you so much. Uh, David, again, it's always a pleasure to talk uh, back and forth and cut you off once in a while. <laughs> and, and, yeah, well, thanks uh, for putting this podcast together. I'm, I'm, I'm glad there's yet one more useful resource that's actually a fun one. It's a lot more fun than reading 179 pages of regulatory text. Yes, 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 yes. I celebrate. I celebrate. It's so yeah. true. It's yeah. so true. Yay. Well, yeah. Yes. All of us. <laughs> well, well, to our audience, thank you very much for listening and joining us on this podcast. Until the next one, uh, ciao.